Well, good morning. Uh, we're going to start a new series today, just a couple week series on parenting. Um, and I want to pray for us um, as we get to talk about that. And as we talk about that, and I'm going to just pray for us, but pray for us as a family. Usually what happens is anytime we talk about something, so if we talk about marriage, then like Jess and I tend to fight. If we talk about kids, then like our kids like go crazy. And so like as we talk about parenting over the next couple of weeks, and as you guys think about that and think about these things, um, let's pray that God um, works in our hearts. Our Father, we thank you um, that you love us. We thank you that um, you call us into your family and that you are a good dad. Father, we thank you um, of the reminder of that, that you are the best parent around. Lord, we pray that your spirit would teach us this morning and that you would guide us and that you would teach us something more about yourself and your love for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know as soon as I say that we're going to talk about parenting, that if you're single or if you don't have kids, you're already starting to check out. Or you're already figuring out, what am I going to do for the next couple of weeks on Sunday? Like, what, what's going on? The weather's starting to turn. Like, let me go out. All right? So please don't do that, um, because the reality of what we're going to talk about today is really gospel shepherding, and it's really gospel discipleship. Um, that if you're a child of God, you're called to disciple people, you're called into shepherding each other's people's hearts. And so what we're going to talk about through the lens of parenting children, really the same principles apply for you in your life as you think about how you care for those around you and how you, that you have influence over. Um, this idea of parenting is also applicable for all of us because... Um, Parenting and the gospel go hand in hand. I think if we look back at the very beginning of time, um, we see that God creates us in his image. It's as if God birthed us, if it were, if you want to say it that way. And even if you kind of look at the story prior to that, like when you have your very first kid, like you kind of do little nesting, right? Like you fix up the room and everything else and you get a bunch of different things. Like that's what God kind of did, right? He created the perfect space for his children to live in. Everything we needed, he provided, and then he gave humans life, and he created them in his image. I want to read from uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible this morning, just a, just a quick little passage here. I was thinking about this under because we were talking about kids, and I was like, oh, this is, says something really good. Um, and I really kind of think has this idea, and really she kind of says it really well about how um, God kind of is our father. Not kind of, but is. Um, so and if you don't have this, this is a really good little book. Even if, like, you're 50 or 100, like, you could go back and read this, and it's still good. Um, So I want to just read one little section of this as we kind of think about this idea of parenting and how how God birthed us and how um, God gave humans life. So he says this, God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all of his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. And Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and the streams and in the wind and the trees and the wonderful song of love to the one who had made them. Their hearts were filled with happiness, and nothing ever made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid. And God looked at everything he said, Perfect, he said it, and it was. But all the stars and the mountains and the oceans and the galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. 
And he would move heaven and earth to be near them, always. Whatever happened, whatever it cost him, he would always love them. And so it was that the wonderful love story began. As I think about this idea of God being our Father, um, and this idea, this, this really, this, the whole story of God is really this amazing picture of a parenting relationship of God and his kids. And if you know the story, or if you have children, um, you'll know as soon as your kids are able to disobey, they will, they will disobey. And that's kind of the very same thing that happened with the first humans. Basically, um, they, 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 they disobeyed God. They basically said, Dad, we know what's best. I got this, Dad. I, I don't need your help. Let me do it. And when that happened, sin entered the world. And ever since that, every human has spent their time whining and complaining about what they don't have or what they do have. Really saying to God, you're not a good dad. I don't like your parenting style. I don't like what you've provided for me. That sound familiar? You guys ever have kids say that? Maybe you've said that. Maybe you've said that to your earthly parents. I don't like the way that you're parenting dad or mom. Like, right? My kids have never said that to me, but it may have, it may have happened in your home. But I, I think these, these, our biological families are just really basically microcosms of the larger relationship of God and the human race. Right? Whether we've had good parents or bad parents, we see the same thing over and over again with every human that's ever walked out in this planet. And the good news is that the good news of God being our parent is that he's actually forgiving. We see this from the very beginning, right? Adam and Eve disobey. They pass the blame. They say, it wasn't me, it was my sister. I mean, it wasn't me, it was Eve. And then Eve said it was the snake. So they just continue to pass it down. And although he comes to them, and although they receive some consequences for their rebellion, we also see that he promises redemption. And the whole story we see over and over and over again that every human that walks this planet goes through this same thing until Jesus comes and Jesus not only offers forgiveness, but he becomes the means for forgiveness. He, be, he becomes the means of our justification. He makes us right before God by taking the consequences that we deserve for our disobedience so that God's children can then be restored back into his family again. It's what Colossians 1.13 says this. It says this in Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That because of Jesus, God's children now get to be restored back into his family. You see, the gospel culminates with us becoming adopted children of God. God becoming our Father. That's what happens when the gospel is real in our life. G.I. Packer says it this way. The quote will be up there for you. But I really like the way he says it. He says, you can sum up the whole New Testament teaching in a single phrase. If you speak, as it, speak of it as a revelation of fatherhood of the Holy Creator. And he goes on, he says, if you ever want to judge how well a person understands Christianity... Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. 
If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and, this whole, and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well. Father is the Christian name for God. Father is the Christian name for God. I think it's exactly the same thing that Paul tells us in Romans 8. He says this, For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, as we think about the whole story of God and the whole understanding of the gospel, it really becomes about a parent-to-child relationship. It's about God saying to us every moment of the day, I love you, I'm for you, you are my beloved son, you're my beloved daughter. Since the beginning of time, God has been saying, I'm your dad, I love you. It's this idea of our sonship, our daughtership, is so central to understanding who God is. It's God saying to you, I love you, I love you, I'm your dad, I'm your dad. I, I developed this habit a few years ago, um, and Jess called me out on it, um, that I kept speaking to the girls in third person. So Jess Kim says, how come when you say to the girls, Daddy loves you, instead of I love you? And I would always say, oh, Daddy loves you, Daddy loves you, rather than saying I love you, I love you. And I said, well, that's just semantics. I got, you're just like riding me for something that I don't need to be ridden for. Um, but as I thought more about this, and I, and I thought about, how God calls us to that. God didn't just say, I love you in the third person. Right? He said he loved us in the very first person by sacrificing himself so that we might once again be his children, be his kids. As we think about parenting this morning, I, I don't know how else to equip you in this area other from this perspective, that really if you want to grow as an individual, if you want to grow as a husband or as a wife, if you want to grow as a parent, if you want to grow as a neighbor, we need to grow in our understanding of the fatherhood of God. You need to grow in, in your love for and the understanding of the gospel. And then as that happens, you'll grow as a parent. You'll grow as a husband or wife. You'll grow in, as an individual. You'll grow in whatever relationship you're in or whatever role you play on this planet. As we talk about parenting over the next couple of weeks, I'm praying really for heart change in all of us. This subject is about transformation, not about some more information. Right? We're going to be talking about heart-level stuff, and, and I, I want you to know if you want to grow as a parent or if you want to grow in the ability to disciple as other, it's not about picking up some new skills or some new questions to ask that you can just sort some best practices just to start using in your life. For the most part, the main way you're going to grow as parents is through the Holy Spirit doing the work in your heart and in the hearts of those that you're discipling. That's going to result in behavior change, but that's merely just a byproduct of the larger goal, which is really heart change. And that, that, that's true for you and for, for anyone else. So as we think about this idea of parenting this morning, um, as I kind of go around and listen, I think a lot of people say, say, say one thing and they do another thing. Now, we would kind of never admit to that, right? Like, we, we, we always do exactly what we say. But, but somebody else may do that. But I think this really plays out, especially when it comes to parenting. Right? Like, has this ever happened? Kids, stop yelling! Right? Like, Tell them not to yell, but then you're yelling at them. 
Or, or, or you, you say, don't talk to mommy like that. Right? Or, but you don't ever, they don't ever see you respect the other spouse. I'm sure this has never happened to you, um, but maybe where you're frustrated with your kids and, and you're, you're kind of going after them and you're hollering at them and then the phone comes in and all of a sudden you're like, hi, hello, how are you? You know, like that's never happened where like all of a sudden you just like shift gears and change like right in front of their faces. So think about this idea. Modeling is so important, but it's, it's not only key for you, but it's also key for your kids. And I say this, you are the most significant person in your child's life. You're the most significant person in your child's life. Your child's understanding of who God is and what he has done for them in Christ Jesus is directly related to the things that they see and understand from you. If you want to raise children who are passionate about Jesus Christ, you need to be passionate about Jesus Christ. And I urge you that the best thing that you can do for your children to grow in the love of God is for you to grow in your love of God for you to talk to him, for you to read his word, for you to feed on him, and for him to be the very source of your life, both physically and spiritually. And not to just do it in private, but do it in front of them, to do it in public, where they would see you living this out. Um, this is one of the things that, um, that I love about my dad, um, is that um, when I was growing up, I saw my dad reading the Bible all the time. Every day I would see him somewhere um, reading his Bible. You know, most of Saturday he would spend reading and studying and praying. If we were looking for my dad, we'd say, where's dad? He's, well, he's probably up in his closet. He's probably upstairs somewhere. He's probably reading. He's probably reading the Bible. My dad modeled this idea. I remember when my dad came to one of my um, classes in seminary and he kind of just sat in and like he was teaching and, and he was like sitting behind me and or beside me, and he was giving all the answers before the professor ever did. Like My dad never went to Bible college or any of those other things, but because he had studied the Word of God so much and intently, he knew so many things about who God was. I want to say what you do and what is what your children will learn. It's not what you say to them. It's what you do and what you model in front of them. What you model for those that you're discipling is what they're going to learn about. This is true across the board in all areas of life. What you model and what you desire is what your kids will often become. I I look at this oftentimes. What parents' dreams are and what parents want to do in life often are what their kids end up doing. They'll push them towards that. They'll sacrifice to give a leg up so that they they can get what they didn't have. What we... And oftentimes what happens is kids may fight it at first. But, but we see this in, all, in a bunch of other ways in life. We see it, in, it plays out in athletics, right? Like the teams that you love. Like I grew up in like a house where like we had to love the Eagles and the Phillies and the Flyers and the Sixers. And if you didn't love them, then you weren't allowed in the house. Right? Like, and so like that's what we grew up loving and that happens that way. But I, it grows up if it, and there's a lot of medicine in my family and so... Um, most of my brothers and sisters are in some type of the medical field. My, my dad wanted to be a pastor. That's what I am. And that's what he, he always wanted to be. He wanted to stop being a dentist. He wanted to do anything else. He wanted to be a pastor, and God never let him do that. My best friend, his dad wanted to be a business owner. That's what he is now. 
What, what we want to do and what, what our dreams are as parents often become a reality in our kid's life. I mean, Ellie and Noelle want to go into the flight industry because of Jess, right? Ellie wants to be a pilot and, and Noelle wants to be a flight attendant. That's what, that's what Jess does. They, our kids want to be involved in, in, in those things. So I say this as, as a reminder to us, but also of the great responsibility and opportunity that we have to train and grow and equip future leaders and followers of Jesus that passionately love God and love others out of their understanding for the Father's love for them. And this is not just for parents, because as, as a family, what we're passionate about is what others will be passionate about. It's what others in and around this family will view as important and worth and giving, worth giving their life to. So the love of the Father and the gospel has to be the motivation for our parenting and for all those that we're discipling and that we're calling to Jesus in the everyday. As we think about kids this morning, I want to ask you this question. Maybe if you have children or if you don't, um, it's okay, you can still answer. Um, why, why do you love kids? If you love kids, why do you love kids? You don't love kids and you don't have to answer. Yeah. Well, why, why do you love kids? Any reason. Yeah, you, how, you, how they get to experience the world and you get to see it through their own eyes. Yeah, good. good. Why, else, why else do you love kids? The open, and, the open and honesty about it, okay? Okay? Yeah. What? Okay. You like the pure expression of motion. Sometimes. When, when it's a good one. Yes. Okay. Why else? Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're cute and lovable and, and, and sweet, and we, and we love the things that they do. Yeah, good. What else? Yeah, how they ask and how they're questioning and experiencing. Yeah, good. Yeah, we love them because they need us and they're dependent on us. And it makes me feel good when I get to care for them. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, they're honest. Yeah, yeah. They're not suspicious or cynical. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, we love them because they're helpless and they need us and then they're in, they're in need. Yeah, good. good. <laughs> yeah, the things that they do that bring other people in. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the park last night with, um, went for a little walk and Jossie wanted to go to the park and so she wanted to play in the playground and so we were there and then Jess and I were sitting there at the bench and there was like six or seven kids, and they were all from like different races and different nationalities, like all playing on the playground together, and just the like didn't care. Like, where else do we see that often? Where like there's just that mix of that. Yeah. But what happens when they grow, right? They become more difficult to love. My kids are getting older. I'm just telling you the truth, right? They don't become as cuddly anymore. They don't want to be held as much. There's times when I, I have a hard time loving my kids because they don't listen to me or because they're more independent now or they don't need me as much. I have a hard time sometimes loving my kids when they talk back to me. Not sometimes, but often. Um, 
They don't always make me feel good anymore. They, our kids can sometimes cause us grief, whether they're yours or someone else's. I, uh, this Just this week, um, I was putting the kids to bed and um, having a battle with one of them. And, um, and they said, Dad, you don't love me. Over and over and over again. And it just it reminded me of, of how that's how God feels often. We're walking around all the time saying, God, you don't really love me. The things that you're doing are not for me. I think as, a, as I observe and I talk to many parents, one of the most primary reasons why parents love kids or why people love kids is because of what they're doing for you. I think this can play out in many, many ways. Um, and maybe that, that you like it when they, they act the way they, they're supposed to. Or you like it because other people think that you're a good parent when, when they talk about your kids. Or, or maybe you like it when they're quiet and obedient so you can get done what you want to get done. Or you, or you like it, you love them when, when they obey because they don't talk back to you. But when they're, they're cute and cuddly, um, you love them. But, when, but then when they're not kind of filling your needs, it kind of starts to fall apart. I think oftentimes... We, we love children because of what they can do for us or because of what they're doing. So I thought about these two things. How are both of them a poor reflection of the gospel? How we love kids for what they can do or, 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 or what they are doing. How, how are both of those a poor reflection of the gospel? Yeah. This earning. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're teaching them something about who God is and that and how he, how he gained his love for sure. Yeah. Yeah, our kids become idols very quickly. Yeah, and, and, and then really this is twin idolatry, right? It has nothing to do with the love of the Father. God doesn't love us because of, of what we can do for him or, or, or what we're doing in our life. He loves us because he already loved us, because he created us, because we're, we're made in his image. See, our heart understanding of this really has a direct connection of how you will teach your children about the love of the Father. I'm not sure if you realize this, but the way that you train your children will show them what you believe about God. It will form a lens for them to how to view God in the future. You want to pay attention to what people's view of God is as a father? Just sit back and watch them interact with children. Watch them parent Watch them, watch them deal with kids. For example, right, Johnny, Johnny, if you're good, I will give you a cookie. Right? If you don't do good at the store today, you're going to get a consequence. You're going to get punished. What, what, what are they teaching? What is that parent teaching about, about that child, about God? They're teaching that, that they can earn God's favor. They're teaching that, that God is waiting for them to get out of line so they can squash them. Everything is, everything is merit-based. We're going to spend some more time talking about this next week. Jess and I are going to team teach and, and talk about some more practical examples of, of how, how we parent and gospel in different stages of life. But please understand that you are discipling something all the time. And the goal of parenting is, is really heart transformation, not behavior modification. 
Behavior will follow, but, but if all we do is change behavior without ever getting to the heart and the gospel being developed in the heart of a child, we've missed out the true purpose of parenting. We've missed out the true purpose of discipling one another, which is really growing in our understanding of the fatherhood of God. So as we think about some common reasons why we, we love kids, um, what, what, and if they're not the answer of, of why we should love kids, I, I want to talk about what it is. You see, because the good news of the gospel tells us that the, the motive for loving anyone is because you've already been loved and accepted by God. 1 John 4, 10 and 11 says this, In this is love, not that we love God, but he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loves us, we ought to also love one another. You see, the good news of the gospel is that God is saying to you all the time, I love you, I gave you my Son, he's done everything you need to secure my blessings, I love you and you're accepted in him. We've said this before, but I want to repeat it again, that God cannot love his children any more than he already does right now. He cannot and he will not love his children any more, any less than he does right now either. It doesn't matter how much we mess up or how much we fix up our life. His love for us is complete and secure. And this is the kind of love that we're called to love our children with out of a great reflection of the love that we've already received. And so we model what God's, look, God's love looks like as we parent them. And it's both a privilege and a great responsibility to love them the way God loves them. And his love is not based on something that, that we can do for him or what we can provide for him. If we think about it, if that's not the way why or how we love our children. I want to talk about what is obedience for just a couple minutes. And we're going to probably spin this out a little bit more next week. Um, so what's the gospel motivation behind obedience? Well, why, why should your children obey you? I think in order to answer this question, we must first understand how motivation works. There's two basic reasons of, of, of why we do what we do. The most basic and effective motivation is actually fear. Right? Early on, kids will, kids will obey us because they fear the negative consequences. If you better do what mom or dad says, or you will get X, Y, and Z. You'll get a timeout. You won't, you won't get the ice cream that you want. You'll get a spanking, whatever it is. I will give you this if you do that. It's fear motivated. The problem is with fear that it only works for a short amount of time. So often in, in, in church, I, I watch kids grow up and they tote the line and then as they get out from underneath their parents, all hell breaks loose. Right? That's part of my story. Right? The, the reason why is that, that we've never learned the correct motivation for obeying. Kids have a, have a head information that plays out in their life and what they do, but it, but it never impacted their heart. And so when they get out from underneath the roof of authority and the roof of fear, what's been embedded in their heart as a motivation is actually going to play out. It's why the highest and best motivator is actually love. And love needs to take root in their heart as the reason why they obey. So as they grow and as they mature, hopefully they come to the place of saying, you know what, I love my parents and they love me, 
therefore, I want to make the right choice. For them really to come to say that, that I love God and, and I understand that he's placed my parents, whether they're good or bad parents, in a role of authority over top of me in headship. And so when I obey them, I'm really obeying him. I'm really saying, I love you, God, and I'm thankful that you have given me these parents. That's the motivation that we want them to understand in their heart. Colossians 3.20 says this. It says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I think oftentimes when we think about this verse, we usually kind of use it as a hammer. Right? God said so. You're supposed to obey. Tote the line. That's never the intention of Scripture. If that's ever being taught to you that way, that's not the gospel. Scripture is not about beating someone over the head with it. You need to question the source of teaching if that's what you hear. But when we, we need to be teaching our children that when they obey, we're really giving them a foundation and the understanding of the gospel. And so as, you, as we think about teaching them and, and molding them in love and understanding that the way that they obey is obedience to God, we ask them some simple questions as we bring them through the gospel. Right? We, we can talk more about this next week, but we ask them, who has God created you? Who created you? Who created everything? Who's in charge of everything? And who's in charge of you? The answer to all those things is God. That Jesus has all authority. And what, what Jesus did is he gave your parents to care for you, to help you and to guide you. And so your parents are really an extension of Jesus' authority in your life. We want to teach our kids to understand that, that, the, that we... That, when we obey our parents, we're really obeying Jesus. So we asked them that question, right? Like, when you obey me, who are you obeying? They say, Jesus. We want to remind them that, of those things, that Jesus gave me the authority. And so when you're listening to me, you're actually listening to Jesus. The bad news is when you disobey me, you're actually disobeying Jesus. And this is key. We need to realize that Jesus is the one that's actually been offended not you or me. I think as parents, or if you're ever watching kids, um, I, when people sometimes watch my kids and like, they didn't listen for me and they, they're all offended. And like, I, that happens with me oftentimes when you get offended when, when your kids don't obey you. I think we often think that the offense is against us. We're not the most offended party. It's actually about them offending Jesus. Defense isn't against us. And so we need to model that and they need to start understanding that. And as we continue to lead them through in this understanding of questions and this understanding of disobeying, we need to be honest with ourselves and with them in this. As we ask them, has mommy or daddy ever made a mistake? I love to ask my kids that because that's the first one. Yes! That's the one though. Sometimes they won't answer the other ones, but they'll answer that one very quickly. Right? But we need to be ready and we need to admit that sometimes we do make mistakes, that we do mess up and that we're going to let you down. But yet you still need to obey me. Unless I tell you to sin, you still need to obey me. Because here's the good news, is that you have a perfect dad up in heaven who's never going to make mistakes and who's never going to fail you. And so when mommy or daddy lets you down, and we will hear that, we're going to let you down. He will never let you down. 
He will always hear you, and he will always listen to you, and he will always be for you. We need to be sharing the gospel with them as we teach them obedience, that we're in need just as much as they are. When they disobey, we need to call it actually sin. We ask the question, what is it called when you disobey? It's sin. What do you deserve because of sin? Death. And we get to teach the gospel that we're telling them the truth that even though Jesus, that, that if Jesus trusted his father, and when Jesus trusted his father and obeyed his father, it led him to death. Led him to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. Philippians 2, 8 says this, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. We, we obey out of obedience to God. We don't obey just because we love God, but we obey because Jesus' obedience actually saved you and me. That the good news is that he died in your place and my place. That we're, we obey because we're thankful for what he's done. And so you, we call our kids and we say, kids, I want to call you to obey because what Jesus has done for you. We want to teach them that, that, that there's someone over authority in them, whether that's their mom or their dad or their school teacher or someone back in Sunday school or someone that you leave them with, that we say, yes, I'm, I'm happy to obey because Jesus died for me. And when I'm obeying whoever this authority figure is, I'm obeying him and out of love for him. Can I tell you, this process is not easy. I wish that I could say, we well, just take them through these questions and then they get it and then you're good to go. It doesn't work that way. And I tell you, and it often plays out, it takes a lot of time to actually spend time going after the heart rather than going after just a behavior. And oftentimes it happens right when we need to be somewhere or when someone's coming over or when there's something else going on. And, and it takes a long time. These results are not fast. We have to do this over and over and over and over again. But regardless of the outcome, we need to be sharing the gospel as much as possible with our children and with those that you're discipling so they will learn the love of the Father. Because they may not get it yet. It may take them years to understand this. Think about this in your own life. Like, how long did it take you to understand the gospel? You got it yet? Because I don't. Right? Really, this is no different than in our lives. We don't always get it. We need to be reminded of why we need to obey God. Why do we obey God? Because our hearts are full of love and joy and gratitude for all that he's done for us. That you and I obey because we because of the love that we're shown. And we obey because we're under the headship of Christ. See, all of life is discipleship. All of life is really parenting. And we're, we're, even as we're disciplining our children or discipling our children or we're discipling someone else, um, the truth is that God is always after your heart. God is after your heart as you're trying to parent your kids. In the midst of me trying to bring the gospel to bear in my girls' lives, God is reminding me of my unbelief at the same time. It's a dual purpose as we think about training others and learning yourself. 
That's how discipleship works. And kids, can I tell you, are an instrument of God to expose you and expose the idols in your own life. God has given you children and God has put children in this family as instruments to show the own, your own need in your own heart. And he's also given us them as an opportunity to point them to the gospel about what they're not believing about God as well. And so as a family, we get to call on the Spirit to empower us. So rather than trying to rely on your own strength or some, some new technique to do it, but, but rather not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Spirit to disciple children and to disciple others around you. We get to call on the Spirit to do these things. That the gospel is the motivation for it, and the Spirit is the one that empowers us to actually do it, to live out that motivation. To live in His strength as you, as you train those God has specifically given you to train and to learn from. And I pray as, as we go through this series, as we, we kind of get some more practical pieces and handles of this, that we would really all grow in our understanding of the fatherhood of God. Because that's really what life is about. That we would grow in our understanding of how God loves us so deeply and how he, he's placed Jesus in authority over top of us so that we would obey him out of love as a direct relationship to the great love that God has poured out on us. That we would be back in the garden like we read there earlier, where, Dad, where, where God says, I love you. You're loved and accepted. I made you. You're designed. You look like me. That's the goal, right? That we would look like our dad. Our Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that we get to parent other kids. Father, I thank you that we get to parent one another. We get to call and disciple each other in the truth of the gospel. Lord, I pray that your love for us would be the true motivation in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would not train and disciple others in fear, but that we would disciple them in your love, that we would point people to the fatherhood of Jesus, the fatherhood of you. Lord, I pray that you... You would remind us of your goodness. Lord, I pray that you would grow us in our understanding of how to do this. That you would grow us in, in really gospel fluency with each other and with the children that you've given us to lead. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we get to look at these things and talk about them. And Lord, we do ask that you would, you would truly transform our hearts and that our behavior would change because of that. Lord, we pray for our children. Lord, we ask that you would call them to yourself. Lord, we know that, that none of these things can take place in their heart, regardless of how well we ask questions or how well we model it before them, that you're the one that needs to change them. Lord, I pray that you would make us people that, that continually pray for heart change in our children and heart change in the lives of others that we're discipling. Lord, we know that your spirit is the only one that can change hearts. Lord, we ask that you would do that for us and for others. Lord, we ask that you would grow your kingdom in this city, that as we parent and train children, that they would train others in the understanding of the fatherhood of God, that you would grow and multiply your family in many, many ways. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel this morning. We pray that you remind us of that as we go to communion. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.